0: Welcome to Manager Tools, Behaviors to Improve Focus, Part 3. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. How can I get more done at work? How can I stay more focused at my desk? How can I be less distracted? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening.
1: Folks, this week's guidance is brought to you by Roadmap, our new module in the manager tools application available in both iOS and Android that will allow you both to roll out the Trinity one-on-ones and feedback for now or to simply measure and manage your Trinity usage on -on one-on-ones and feedback if you've already rolled it out. If you're a licensee for the thousands and thousands and thousands of you who are licensees, you'll be able to roll out the Trinity or again, measure and management. If you're not a licensee, we encourage you to take a look at Roadmap once it starts coming out on October 2nd. See you then. So folks, if you have a process for building a moat around your mind and having a single source of inbox demands on your time, so you've mastered the process, the workflow of time and priority management, you don't need another inbox you don't need another inbox that you then carry around with you that then beeps and dings and buzzes and again if you've read getting things done by David Allen you know that you already have too many of them too many inboxes too many places where demands on your time either sit or are created same thing goes for a computer after a fashion just like your phone and we've said this 20 if not a hundred times, over the past years, you don't need any sound or visual reminders on your computer when you get an email. I'll tell this story. I I told it day before yesterday. Many people have Microsoft Outlook. I love Outlook. And uh, Outlook, one of Outlook's features, (laughs) inserted by the devil in the middle of the night, I'm sure, is the ability for every time you get an email to have a little sliding notification to come up usually in the bottom right hand corner of your computer screen and it slides up and then it slides back down so in other words outlook is desperately trying to get your attention while you're in excel working on a pivot table and um, many people leave that on or they're not aware that there's a ability to turn it off and it's affectionately known as toast because it kind of pops up like toast and then goes away what people don't know is Microsoft jokes. We don't call it toast because it pops up and goes down, but rather because if you start looking at that, you're toast. You'll destroy your ability to be creative and effective and so on because you'll constantly be distraction. You'll be distracted. You'll be in a constant state of non-focused attention. Uh, and if you really want to understand how powerful this desire is to be multitasked, Just go out and Google the phrase continuous partial attention. And people actually advocate for this. Let's try to do five things at once and we'll be a computer. We'll be an IBM 360 timesharing between a bunch of different jobs. Unfortunately, that doesn't work. And look, that notification, which essentially implies some urgency, is a false notification because email, by definition, is not urgent, okay? So, notifications on your computer disattract you from what you're supposed to be attracted to, which is the work you have decided to do, not that someone else thinks you should do or that your computer wants to remind you of, but you've decided you're gonna work on X because X gets you closer to goal number two. And you work on X until you're done with X. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, even better, turn off your email client. For those of you who don't know the tech speak, this is about as tech as I get client means the software that runs on your computer could be outlook could be mail for that matter it could be gmail the client is the software that runs on your computer that goes to the server and gets your mail because your mail sits on a server and if you don't have a client you can actually have mail but not know it because you don't have any software that would talk to the server and say please show me my mail so Turn off your email client, turn off Outlook. Or if you can't turn off Outlook because you use it for your calendar and task management, which I used to use it for and love it for, it's the, it's the single biggest disappointment in my software engaged life that Outlook on Mac doesn't work as beautifully as Outlook used to work on Windows uh, desktops. Um, but you can go into Outlook and say, don't give me all my mail when it comes in. I only want to ping it one or two or three times. Or if you need to get mail all the time, fine. Make sure you know how to use your folders. And I'll I'll stop here because, of course, we've got all kinds of podcasts about things you can do to start managing your email. And don't tell me, do not tell me that you have an email culture and so you have to constantly be checking mail because there is no CEO, there's no executive at the top of your organization who's reasonably intelligent and smart about organizational life and so on that wouldn't tell you of all the things you're doing, you must learn how to manage it. But if you're constantly checking mail, if you don't have any filters, if you don't have any walls, if you don't ever shut it out, you're not managing it, it's managing you. But if it's something you have to do, I get that. It's a task you have to accomplish every day. You need to manage it in the same way you manage your desk and your health and you manage your time with your family, and you manage your priorities. You don't miss your deliverables and your deadlines and so on. That's all managing your work. It's task management, and email is a task. So, manage it, and manage it pretty aggressively so that when you are spending time on it, you can be good at it. Okay. So, let's go on to the, the part that I'm really looking forward to because
0: we should probably publish this guidance Maybe a a year or so ago, before Apple started working on iOS 11 with yeah with some enhanced uh, multitasking on the iPad, because uh, apparently Steve Jobs got it right the
1: first time, which is
0: one application at a time. So
1: yeah, um, you're you're bucking a trend here, buddy. I know, and um, I've been doing this now for about two years. There are times when I fail because I have my calendar up, and then I might be working on mail. Other than that, and my calendars tell me what I have to do next and when and so on. And for a while, I actually put my calendar on my iPad over to the side of my, my desk. And then I could just touch my iPad and, and see it. But as a general recommendation to help you with focus, um, while you're on your computer, shut down other applications that you aren't working on. Mail is the obvious one and Outlook is great, but it's a, it's a focused workers nightmare. Messaging, all messaging is the same. Instant messaging, Slack, and so on. And I know people say, "Oh, I've, I've got to be connected with Slack," but you don't. You go to the bathroom, you get on an airplane, you drive home. I don't understand it. And then people say, "Well, well, okay, I have to be. I'm going to change my statement. I don't have to be connected all the time. I have to be connected when I'm at my desk." I said, "Well, okay, but what about meetings? Well, no, I kind of have to be connected there too. I mean, this sounds like a sickness." I mean at some point this is what psychologists do, psychotherapists do. They start asking questions and the person says, "Well, this is why I do that and this is why I do that and this is why I do that." Suddenly the therapist looks at him and goes, "Do you even hear yourself?" I mean, how did you live 2 years ago when you didn't have Slack? How did you live without instant messaging? Oh, well, you know, this just makes me better. Well, how do you feel about that? Well, I'm pretty distracted. I I feel like i got a lot of things going on. I feel a lot of pressure, just sort of vague sense of pressure all around me all the time. That's a good thing? No, no, I need it. You know, I really need that pressure to, to maximize my effectiveness. And yeah, that's not what a sports therapist would say. I think there are a large number of people who
0: don't really understand the cost of all those distractions. In terms of mental stress, loss of productivity, you name it. If they lived without those distractions and focused for 45, even just 45 minutes or an hour at a time, and did that consistently for several weeks, they'd understand like, oh my God, I'm getting so much more done. Well, hopefully we can convince some people on the, on the podcast to just put that aside for a bit and experience what, it, what it's like to
1: actually have focus and focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. And by the way, for those of you who say, you know, Mark, I can't do that. Mike, I just can't do that. But I want to leave them running because you never know. I may need to go over to them and I don't want to launch them and so on. So, But I won't look at them. I won't check them. I won't use them. Okay. If you're saying you won't use them, you won't check at them, you won't look at them, why do they need to be on? And you have to ask yourself, are you just addicted? Are you addicted to switching tasks? Because you don't actually multitask. You just fast switch between tasks with an enormous amount of residual loss when you shift from task to task and the reason why you secretly want them on is you want to check them monitor them use them so you can disattract yourself from what you should be doing which you decided to do. but then you didn't squirrel <laughs> yeah exactly um look so focus on outlook when you're doing mail if you're writing a legal brief and you need to send mail Either open Outlook and then shut it or make a note to send the mail later. And by the way, you can send a mail in Outlook without telling Outlook or any other client to retrieve mail as well. So, you can actually have Outlook running and do probably control shift in or something like that and open up new mail in Outlook without checking your inbox. Mail the application isn't bad. Outlook isn't bad. It's that new email that's in it that disattracts you. Actually, it's not even the mail, of course, that distracts you. It's you and your choice of how you're gonna spend your time mentally. It's never the technology, it's always the behavior. And look, folks, you I pretty much everyone who's listening to this is smart enough to know that instant messaging is the polar opposite of focus. It's the equivalent of bedlam, which by the way, the name of the, the word bedlam came as a shortening. It may in fact be a cockney shortening of the mental institution in London called Bethlehem, and it was nicknamed Bedlam. And everyone has to break to chat when everyone else is chatting. And the result of messaging software running all the time is zero productivity or zero creative productivity. It's like trying to get work done while everybody's sitting in one meeting room, everybody talking all the time. I'd find that annoying. And I like instant messaging. I like texts. I just don't like them when I'm trying to be on the phone with somebody else. Slack, another thing. Another great technology is really good until it isn't. If you're working on some calculations, Slack is idiotic. Constantly looking over there, checking who said what. Turn it off until you're ready to be focused on it. Otherwise, it's a disattraction. And this is probably old school, probably too much for some people because they – Love that feeling of new technology in their hands, but there's plenty of work we can do that can be done with pen and paper.
0: Luddite. <clears throat>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, people say I'm I'm creating something. I'm creating a PowerPoint or a Keynote presentation, and then I think about the people at Frog Design or IDEO or or even Johnny Ive, the famous creative person at Apple. They sketch things. They don't use computers for everything. You can create a PowerPoint or a keynote presentation with bullets and some simple image sketches and then later transfer them to screen. People say, I can't open my laptop. I've got to work on my PowerPoint. The problem is too often when we're creating a PowerPoint or a keynote, what we're doing is actually trying to make that slide perfect. We're doing both creation of content and slide design at the same time. And those are two very different things. Way better to write out what your key ideas are and then build out your messages on three or four or five pieces of paper. And then when you're putting them into the system, when you're putting them into the application, then fuss with spacing and colors and all those other things. You can actually save time this way. Because again, when you're not creating slides on your computer, you're not both creating and editing at the same time, which makes you bad at both of those things. There are a lot of people I know who think that creating a slide deck is preparing a presentation, but it's not. First you create it in your mind, then in my recommendation, you'd have somebody else uh, if you have that level of authority in the organization actually put the deck together and then you actually rehearse with the deck. It's the rehearsal that makes the presentation. The deck is not the presentation you are. That's just one of my pet peeves. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I've heard that before. (laughs) so let's talk about another topic that i think is interesting because i i don't think people are wired this way much of the time and that is the idea that you can say no or at least no for now and i think in today's world folks feel like they have to respond immediately hence one of the reasons why they're checking their mail all the time right oh gosh the whole
1: immediacy thing I'll give some people some credit because they think, oh, people are important. So therefore, you know, when I get interrupted by a person, that's important and I should be, you know, I should put down my technology. But i tell you, I admit I haven't always done this well. I used to get upset when my directs would pop their head in to my office and they'd say, do you have a minute? And I'd say, sure. And it's never a minute. Yeah. They come in and then they sit down. And I think to myself, why are they sitting down? In fact, when they asked me for a minute, why didn't they just say, hey, real quick, can I do this, 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 and this, and would it be okay, or can we change the budget and this, and that takes a minute? Yeah, sure, that's fine. They'd ask for a minute, and they come in and sit down. Now, I would actually say to them after a while, they would see the look on my face, and I got a reputation for not liking interruptions, because I actually did have a minute, but I didn't want to give them 10 and I thought they were being disingenuous. They really wanted 10 minutes, but they figured they couldn't get 10. And so, they'd ask for one and then essentially lie about it.
0: You might want to consider doing one-on-ones if that was the case. But I'm just just saying, somebody, yeah. told, somebody told me about
1: it. Somebody taught me about one-on-ones. <laughs> and one-on-ones are not going to stop. They'll drastically reduce the number of interruptions you'll get, but they won't stop it. And as you build a better relationship with people, they're going to still want to talk to you at times. So, look, you're going to get interrupted. It's normal. If you're a manager, that's a good thing. When you do get interrupted, learn to say no for now. I mean, no for now, that's in quotes. In other words, an interruption is convenient for someone else, but it's disattracting for you. So, you can say, I have one minute, but I don't have 10. I can't take 10 minutes right now, but I'll call you in 10 minutes when I'm done with what I'm doing, or I'll text you in 15. Now, for those of you who are listening to this and going, oh, I couldn't do that. That's rude. I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's, it's not rude. When someone comes in with something that they want then and your schedule and they, let's assume you and they are peers, you're equals, not just that you're the boss. And so, your time is economically more valuable than your direct. Even if you were peers and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, do you have a minute? Of course, there's a natural tendency to want to say, yes, I kind of do. But in a workforce, in an organization, it would be completely okay to periodically say, no, I don't right now. Now, look, if you're only doing mail and you're very close to zero inbox, fine, say okay. But if you're up against a deadline, if you're debugging code, if you're running a a QA test on something and you're looking at results, you don't have time to do that. If you have four deliverables due today and you only have one of them done and it's two o'clock, you don't have time to take 15 minutes to chat. And if the person comes up to you as a high I or a high S for those of you who know DISC, you're not going to immediately start talking about work. They're going to say, how you doing? I remember telling somebody once, it doesn't make me look good, but I'll be honest about it. Um, they said, you got a minute? Sure. What do you need? Uh, because I literally took him at his word that he only needed a minute. He says, well, how you doing? I said, is that what you need for your minute? I'm fine. And he was like, whoa, okay, and he kind of walked out. Now, I went back and apologized later, but I really thought to some degree it was his fault because he asked for a minute and then he wants to chat with me, and I didn't have time to chat. Look, if we run into each other in the hall, we can chat, or in 10 minutes, I'll stop by your desk and we'll shoot the stuff. That'd be great, but not right now. But an emergency or an urgency or an intensity on your part does not justify the same choice on my part in all cases. So, you can say, I can't write this minute, but I'll I'll text you in 10 minutes to see if you're free, or I'll text you in half an hour, or come by in 30 minutes. We know thousands, tens of thousands of managers, folks, who have done this for years with no ill effect on their reputation for team play or respect for other people. You are not obligated to be available to everyone all the time in terms of interruptions. What's interesting about that is when you reconnect with the person who was interrupting you, and I don't mean they were being rude by interrupting you, frequently, they don't have time to connect with you. And when they don't, it gives the lie again to their immediate need that they felt comfortable interrupting you. And a side effect of this is you begin to realize how focusing on your work is probably what the organization wants you to do. That's not to say as a manager, some of your work is not (laughs) managing your team. It clearly is. And you get to be the keeper of your time and your priorities. And if you get better at saying, I don't right now, but I do in 10 minutes and then write somebody's name on on a yellow sticky. And then as soon as you're done doing the thing you're doing, whatever it is, you walk over to their desk and say, hey, I'm free now. You'll find that people will appreciate you more rather than you feeling like your people are an interruption. And we just need to learn how to manage those interruptions. Definitely.
0: I guess the key I just tell people is, hey, if you tell people that, hey, I, I don't have time right now, can I get back to you in 15 minutes? Then make sure you get back to them 15 minutes. Then it's rude. If you, if you commit to getting back to them and then you don't, and then you're surprised that your relationships start to deteriorate,
1: don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. So to sum up, I say this all the time and I kid people about it. You're not as busy as you think or definitely as you say you are. You're just distracted, disattracted, and just like me and Mike and everybody else we know, inefficient. And it's okay because, again, so is almost everybody else. Learn to cultivate your attention span, to work on one thing at a time, and by working on one thing at a time, you can do one thing at a time well. Get attracted to your daily and weekly and monthly goals, and bat aside, temporarily, the disattractions that lead to waste. You can always make more money in your firm, but you can't make more time. Build into your daily behaviors the habits that allow you to focus. Focus is a competitive advantage, and probably in this cast you learned that maybe the edge of your rut is not your horizon. And I thank Trevor Woods of Monash University for that last quote. It's a nice one. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, partner. That was fun.
0: I enjoyed it. So long. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.